I'm Joel. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gospel Tab. And I just want to tell you all how much I love you. Um, I love this family. And I, this is home for me. Um, and uh, I spent the last few weeks um, preaching some other places. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, I uh, got to preach in Belvernon last week and in Charleroi the week before that. Nashville a few days before that, I got to share at an event. Um, but when I'm back here after being gone for a while and sharing, um, this just uh, feels like home. You guys are home. So I love you guys. And I'm so glad that, that we got to worship today. It's going to be a little bit different today, my portion of time with you, uh, because really, and we, we do this every August and September, we take a Sunday, um, not really to do a sermon, but just to ask the question together, what's next, God, as a Gospel Tab family? And then for me to just share with all of you some of what is on our hearts and our minds um, when we ask that question, what's next, God? Um, and so I have some things I want to share with you today. Some are a specific plans, but most aren't. Um, most are just things that are stirring in our souls. I, I want to thank all of you who came to our movement meetings that we held. We held these two movement meetings. Many of you were there. Thank you for coming and just kind of processing on an emotional level uh, where God is taking us as a family on mission. Um, I hope that this time today will be clarifying to some of you who hear us throw these terms around, family on mission, network, all of these things, and you're like, I have no clue what they're talking about. If that's you, it's okay. Um, I always joke, ambiguity makes movements. I don't, I don't really mean that. Um, but there is a sense in which when we're part of a movement, the things are changing and terms are changing. So I want to bring some clarity to that today and hopefully for the next few weeks. And my hope is that today you can find yourself in this story if you haven't already, because we want you to know there is room for you in this story. Uh, whether you've been here for a long time and you've walked with us through a lot of changes um, or you're newer to us or this is your first Sunday, I want to tell you there is room for you in this story. Um, so in the next few weeks, I'm going to root what I'm talking about today in the scriptures. Um, so in the next three weeks, we're going to be opening up our Bibles and when I preach, uh, we're going to be looking at where we see some of what we're talking about today in the New Testament. I, I love to say we're Bible people here at the Gospel Tab, uh, so it's important for us that we see ourselves in that story, the story that's been given to us, Jesus' story in the Scriptures. Um, so you'll be hearing that in coming weeks. This isn't going to be the only Sunday that we're talking about this, but today I just kind of want to frame this discussion for us, and then we'll wrap up and go eat some food together, which will be really good. So church, I don't have to tell you that we are not the same people that we were in February 2020 when we held our last service here before we shut down for some time, our Sunday morning services. Kiara preached that Sunday. We were in 1 Corinthians, and uh, she preached on the passage, believers suing each other, and then we stopped talking to each other. <laughs> and... Uh, um, it was our first time putting a service online. I think one of us had our phones in the front seat because already by that point, there were more people uh, who just weren't comfortable, you know, coming on Sunday morning. Um, you know, what our nation has been through, what the world has been through since that time um, has changed so many of us um, as individuals, as communities. Um, but I've said it throughout the pandemic, and I'll say it again here, there is no going back to that Sunday before the shutdowns rolled out. Um, what is happening in our world is indicative of what's happening in our world for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that today. We're going to talk some about it next week. But to think that we're going to get past this, dis this disruption and there's not going to be more disruptions is wishful thinking. And I actually think that God, 
for people who have ears to hear that God is preparing his church for this season. And I believe particularly for North America, he is linking us with a worldwide revival that is happening on the earth today to see more and more people baptized in water, proclaim Jesus as Lord, so that every nation, every people, every tongue hears this gospel proclaimed to them and has the opportunity to respond so that the end can come. Um, I think God is linking us to that worldwide revival, and not just in sometimes thinking about it, sometimes praying about it, but, but in gathering the harvest in our own communities, in gathering the harvest here. And I feel so privileged to be part of what God is doing with all of you. Let's just think back to a second about some of the early weeks of the shutdowns in Pennsylvania and what was happening with us as a church. Um, we decided, like many churches did, that it was advisable for us not to hold services for a period of time. And I've said this before, but I remember our leadership team meeting here in the sanctuary. We had an emergency meeting, and we were just kind of pondering what this would mean for us. Um, we've learned some crazy things. We, we were just laughing about this as a leadership team. But do you know that before the pandemic, I mean, this is a small change, but it's so real, before the pandemic, there were times when the Spirit of God would move in this service and our order of service would get all messed up and we would forget to collect the offering. And we'd be like, oh, no, we always trusted the Lord with it, but we'd be like, oh, wow, like we forgot to give people an opportunity to give. Well, then we went weeks not gathering and God provided for us. And guess what? We started meeting together and we've never passed the plate. Have you noticed? We, we never... We never collect it. I'm not saying we won't do it again, but, but it's just like, wow, I guess we didn't need to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because, because God just keeps providing and people keep being generous. It's just, it's really, I say that story to say it's such a small thing, but I think right away we started to realize that we did not need what we thought we needed as a church. And God was opening us up to new doors of opportunity in our community. When we realized we weren't going to hold Sunday services, it was calling leaders in our network. Now, we use that word a lot, and you may have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going to explain it in just a minute. But I was calling leaders in our network who are doing regional ministry to check in with them, to see if we could support them, to see how they were handling this on the ground in their neighborhood with their ministry. And I'll tell you what, I was only a few days into those phone calls, and I just realized we're going to be okay. And here's why, because we didn't know a pandemic was coming, but for years, God has been leading us into this decentralized model of leadership and ministry and funding. And I was like, everybody's already positioned where they need to be. And they know their neighbors, and they're ready to do ministry with the people they're serving, and they're not looking for me to make decisions for them on how they should navigate the pandemic. They're making the decisions because essentially they're the missionary. They're there already in that place, making those decisions, figuring out how to serve their neighbors. And those first two weeks for me were just beautiful to watch. It was like without this Sunday service, and I did miss it terribly, I'm sure you did too, but it was like without this Sunday service, we realized to a fuller extent that we are more than this Sunday service. That this Sunday service is important, and I'm glad it's back. It's going to keep being important. But this is not what defines us as a church family. Um, what defines us as a church family is actually a little bit hard to observe because it's so decentralized. At the beginning of the year, I love to read. If you know me, you know that. At the beginning of the year, I read a book. The theme of the book was Invisibility. And it was written by a non-Christian author. And just all of these different chapters reflecting on this idea, this concept of invisibility. So creatures in nature that have the capacity to look invisible, invisibility in technology, it's just a really interesting book, invisibility and leadership, and not a Christian book at all. I'm finding as I read this book at the beginning of the year that it's like warming my heart. And I'm like, why am I being moved by this book? And, and then it's like the Lord spoke to me. It's because this is what we're becoming, this nameless, faceless revival this movement that is shy and modest. Um, do you know today, I'm going to get into what the network is, but do you know today, like John in the middle of the pandemic, John Jordan, who's going to be back from sabbatical this week, 
Um, <laughs> in Galfua. John, uh, he reached out to our network leaders and asked, how many people is our network ministering to? Do you know that our network, week in and week out, is ministering to something like six to seven times more people than ever are at a service at the Gospel Tab? And most of those people don't even know that they're part of a network because our network is kind of an invisible organization. The leaders know, but not so much the people who are showing up at these places to hear the gospel or that these these, uh, missional outposts are reaching out to. So it's like we came into our own. It wasn't like this stuff wasn't there before, but without the Sunday morning expression, it was like we just came into our own. And then, two weeks into the pandemic, um, an apartment building in our community floods. And many of those residents uh, who are already experiencing poverty um, are displaced from that apartment. Most of them end up in a hotel. And three days later, I'm, I'm talking to the director of the American Red Cross in our region, and he's asking if he can pass part of this project on to us. And there again, we're, I mean, we're right at the beginning of a pandemic, and all of these people organically in our network mobilize to feed people, to get meals to the hotel, to advocate. We were doing justice work because the conditions in this apartment building for people who are experiencing poverty just were below standards that anyone should have to experience. So we were interviewing residents and releasing those videos online while we're working so we could tell that story, while we're working with the management, while we're, I mean, just doing all of these things to get these residents back into their place. And then, and then uh, me and Kiara, and I don't remember if it was you, Jake, or who else was with us, but at the end of that, we're standing in, in a hotel. Oh, that's right. We're standing in a, in a um, hallway. What's that called? A hallway. We're standing, we're standing, we're standing in the hallway, and, um, and we're sharing the gospel with one of the residents that we got to serve. You could feel God's presence moving his heart and his heart beginning to open up to the good news of Jesus. And I think for us, it was like, wow, we are more, God has made us more than what we even realize. And I think the pandemic for us has been a season of self-discovery as a church and as a movement. I know there's been some frustrating things and it's not gonna end. There's probably gonna be more frustrating things, but friends, Let me tell you, we are not, this for us has not been a season of retreat, of pulling back. I really believe with all my heart that God is making us exactly who we're supposed to be in this moment. God is using all of this to shape us. Now, that being said, with some things loosening, we've gotten to this part of, of, you know, what our community is experiencing in this pandemic, what our nation is experiencing and we've realized that there are some missing pieces. We need, now that we're realizing more and more who we are and how God is going to work with us, um, we need uh, to give some definition to that, not to control it, but to help you participate in it. When things are too organic, and we do organic great around here, organic relationships, organic hanging out, organic mission, uh, we do a lot that's unplanned around here, and you do it really well. And you know what? The only reason we can do that really well is because of the way you love each other and the way you love our community. So many of you are not waiting for permission from me to love your neighbor. So many of you are just doing it, and I just love it. I just love that that's who we are. But a downside to being too organic is that when we are too organic, it can be hard to figure out how to connect. You kind of have to know, it can feel like you kind of have to know the right person, the right person being the person who has the answers. Like if you can find a person who can give you answers, then you can participate, but you might have trouble knowing who those people are. So the leadership team here at the Gospel Tab has been working for the last year um, during this season on what we're calling our engagement pathway. I'm not going to spend too much time on this today, um, but we are going to talk about the next three weeks And here's why, if you can just put that up, the engagement pathway, Timothy, the graphic. Yeah, there it is. Um, Here's why. This is is about to be everywhere. You're going to see it all the time. And you need to understand it so that you can help other people connect, all right? So that people don't have to feel like they have to find the right person, that they can just find you, you know? and you can help them know how to connect. So I'm not gonna go through all of this today, but this is probably one of the best pictures of what the Gospel Tab has become in infographic form, okay? 
um, that we've ever had. So, you know, we have these values up in and out. We think that following Jesus is always going to reflect this expression of up in and out. Up is our connection with God in prayer and worship. In is our connection with each other in relationship. Out is our connection with our neighborhoods and the nations, all right? Um, now, if you look in the right-hand corner here, I just want to explain two things real quick. Well, I guess three, because there's three circles. We are connected vitally, essentially, to three missional movements that are happening. The first is the Christian and Missionary Alliance and their global um, efforts worldwide to reach groups of people who do not have access to the gospel. Our church has been connected to that movement for over 100 years. We're going to remain connected to that movement in the next few weeks. Actually, it might be the wrong way to word it. By October, um, some of our international workers are going to be coming through to visit us and to update us about what they're doing. That's been happening here at the Gospel Tab for a long time. These flags are not just for decoration. They reflect a piece of our heart for the nations. And so that still remains intact, all right? But over the last few years, at the local level, this thing, the Greenhouse Network, has formed. So where did that come from? Well, in 2005, me and some others started a youth development organization in Aliquippa called Aliquippa Impact. Um, that organization just finished its 17th year of summer programming and is led by an amazing group of staff um, who are still serving kids today. But all those years ago, we wouldn't have language for it in 2005, I was hired uh, not long after that as the youth pastor here at the time at the Gospel Tab. What we wouldn't have had language for at the time, but God was forming, was we learned to plant a missional outpost, that's our language now, next to an established church. So Aliquippa Impact was planted in the community. The Gospel Tab had been around for over 100 years, or it was approaching 100 years at that time. And these two things were not officially connected. The Gospel Tabernacle was not controlling Aliquippa Impact. Aliquippa Impact was its own organization, but they were working in relationship. And that is still happening to this day. Um, not everyone who's part of Aliquippa Impact attends the Gospel Tab. As a matter of fact, most people don't. Um, not all of the staff at Aliquippa Impact attends the Gospel Tab. We're fine with that. But these two organizations were working close together. Well, over the years, as, as we got on mission with people who were doing mission in the community, the Gospel Tabernacle experienced renewal. God brought us alive again in prayer and in mission and in giving and in all of this stuff. We entered a season of renewal. So much has changed here over those years. But Aliquippa Impact um, multiplied into what we now call the Greenhouse Network. And so the Greenhouse Network is made up of entities that we call missional outposts. Missional outposts are nonprofit organizations that are on mission. These are all Christ-centered entities, by the way, uh, that are on mission, nonprofit organizations, businesses as mission, missional communities. You might not realize this, but missional communities, when we talk about that here, essentially these house churches, they actually are part of the network. Um, they, because not all people who attend those missional communities worship here at the tab. So they're not exactly like church small groups. Um, they're essentially like these house churches, if you want to call them. They're on mission, and, and we're still figuring out some of what that looks like. Um, and now church plants is another piece of that. Um, at this point, the Greenhouse Network, our, our umbrella term for all of those things is missional outposts. Well, now the Greenhouse Network has almost 30 missional outposts present within it. And geographically, they extend from the east side of Pittsburgh into just over the border in Ohio. Um, there's a lot of the network that doesn't know other parts of the network. A lot of the network has never attended the gospel tab here. Um, but they see themselves as part of this movement. What's holding the movement together? Well, it's our values. Those values that are painted on the wall outside define all of those missional outposts. You can find those values present in those missional outposts. And what that means is some of what God implanted in us in terms of passion and hunger for mission, in terms of prayer, in terms of shared leadership, in terms of our value for release, for not controlling people, all of those kinds of things are, are now things that we get to impart to missional outposts that are present in our region. 
um, eventually we realized that we needed some kind of uh, um, organization to serve those missional outposts. And so in 2018, we started the Greenhouse Lab. John Jordan, who's coming back from sabbatical, is now the exec- he's on staff here at the TAB, but he's also the executive director of the Greenhouse Lab. It's a nonprofit organization that is helping our neighbors, especially our neighbors experiencing poverty, to start businesses of their own. Um, and we feel positioned to do that because we're in relationship with people after all these years who are experiencing poverty. Um, but the Greenhouse Lab also offers uh, services to people who are starting things in the Greenhouse Network. So we can offer marketing or financial services. Uh, we can offer assistance in incorporating your documents. We can offer coaching, pastoral and strategic coaching. You might not realize it, but now there are 24 coaches serving out of the Greenhouse Lab to coach people in ministry who are living missionally in the place where God has planted. Again, most of them not here at the Gospel Tab. Um, The Gospel Tab doesn't fund either of these things, really. The Gospel Tab is generous, but the Greenhouse Network and the Greenhouse Lab have found their own funding sources. This is something that God has taught us how to do over the years, how to raise money. We're a scrappy group of people and figuring out how to find the resources for mission and ministry. So even the money, can I tell you something funny? The Greenhouse Network last year seriously spent like $5,000. The Greenhouse Network missional outposts probably spent over $3 million last year doing mission and ministry. None of that is controlled by me or controlled by the Gospel Tabernacle. Um, As a matter of fact, that number would sound super huge to any of our leaders because they're like, I've never seen $3 million. It's spread spread out. And trust me, it spreads out quick. It's, it's It's spread out. Um, among all these people. And so it's not centralized here. Um, we're, in some ways, the Gospel Tab is serving this movement. In some way, the Gospel Tab is leading parts of this movement, but we are not controlling it. It feels to us like we are chasing what God is doing in the world. Um, and so I will say more about that in coming weeks, but we see the Gospel Tab now as essentially linked to these three things. By the way, the Greenhouse Lab, I don't know when or how. Um, it has a physical space down on Franklin Avenue, a common working space. I see those Greenhouse Labs multiplying in time regionally. I think more will get planted so that we can support mission in other places, all right? Now, that's happening out there, and you probably have some sense of it, because um, we talk about it from time to time. Stories are told, but you might be sitting here thinking, but okay, I walk in the doors of the Gospel Tab as a visitor, um, or a fr- I invite a friend and they come, how do I connect them to what essentially feels like an invisible movement? That's a really good question. Um, because it's not, it's not super easy, you know, to figure out. And so because of that, the leadership team here at the Tab over the last year, and we've gotten advice from other people, uh, a pastor named Kathy Craig from a church in Indianapolis named Mercy Road that we've become friends with, she came and met with our leadership team, consulted with us some. Um, and so we've been mulling over this for a long time. But this is essentially what we see as our, as our pathway. If you're wanting to connect and you've come through the doors of the Gospel Tab as a visitor. First of all, notice the foundation here is worship, prayer, and fasting. We are first a movement of prayer and fasting. There's no question. That's how all of this has happened. Please, if people ask how it happened, please give them that answer. Um, I've stopped hiding that and pretending that like we knew what we were doing because we had no clue what we were doing. Um, and so we don't want to lose that childlike dependence. So there's this foundation in the fervency of prayer and worship and fasting um, that we believe is fueling the whole thing. But let, that red circle, I know this, this is very small, that red circle says visitor experience. So that's you coming in as a visitor. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I don't think we did a very good job at helping visitors understand what was happening here. And we might, st- we still need a lot of work, honestly. But they would come through the doors, and we have visitors every week. There's probably visitors here today. And they would sense that something was alive, and hopefully they got treated well. I think that generally happened. Um, but there weren't clear ways to connect. And so over the years, we just developed a few things, like the green connection cards. I know we say it every Sunday, but we didn't have the green connection cards just a few years ago. There was nothing that you could mark to say I'm a visitor and here's how I could get my email address onto the list so that I can get announcements. There was nothing like that. So we've worked on that. Before the pandemic, 
we made a lot of headway in trying to welcome our visitors. Um, some of that, uh, you know, fell apart during the pandemic. Like, we haven't brought coffee back. But I think, generally speaking, we made some headway, and we have people who are going to keep working on this. Uh, even in coming weeks, you're going to be seeing more of this. For instance, you're going to see an opportunity to be on our greeting team. That's so important. If you, if you have ever visited a new church, you know that it's so awkward to think, like, is anybody going to talk to me? Do I have to initiate? And I, I meet so many people who come to the Gospel Tab who will say that they visited churches prior and nobody ever said hi to them when they went to the service. So, like, we need some of you to be greeters. Just diffuse the, um, uh, the anxiety by saying hi to someone, all right? So that's part of the, the visitor experience. The next thing is the partner class. So we've been doing this for a couple years, too. So the partner class, you can show up at and interact with some leaders and you can learn the basics of our church, and we can welcome you in as family members here at the Gospel Tab. So people who have gone through the partner class have stood up here at the end of a service, and we have said, you are family to us, we are family to you, we want to pray for you, support you. It's just kind of a beginning step. Um, very soon partner classes are going to be announced, all right? You see up there to the, to the top there in the blue circle, it says everyone gets to play. That's our language for the amount of volunteers that are needed to pull off Sunday morning. This doesn't just happen. People have to invest in this. And um, you're going to be hearing ways to get plugged in on Sunday morning. And I, and I want you to hear, I think something that's changing in our hearts, we don't want you to just serve because we need you. We want you to ask who God made you to be, to understand your passions, and then to serve in a way that lines up with that. Um, so we don't want you just like, okay, I guess I got to do this because they need me. We want you showing up on Sunday morning thinking, here's where I can contribute because this is who God has made me. But when we all contribute together on Sunday morning, we're able to worship together in this, in this gathering. The green circle is grounded, which Brooke just announced. Um, can I just make another commercial for this? Grounded is what we used to call rooted. See what we did there? Um, <laughs> Um, so some of you already participated in Rooted prior to the pandemic, so you know what it is. Why do we name it Grounded? Well, because we kind of had to make it our own, because we have such distinct language and ways of seeing ministry, and so we just, we just needed something to fit us a little bit better. And our friend Kathy Craig from that church in Indianapolis, she encouraged us to just go ahead and put the work in to make it our own. So there's a team of people led by Christine Skull right now who are writing our own curriculum for this. They're putting in an enormous, enormous amount of work into it. But Grounded will meet on Sunday nights, and, and the, here's the language that Christine came up with, and as soon as she sent it to me in the email, I was like, that is gold, and you're going to hear us say it over and over again. But um, Grounded is where we first form spiritual friendships in our church. And that's a, that's a different kind of friendship that is brand new for some of you, for some of you, you've had it before, but you don't have it now. Some of you want spiritual friendships here at the Gospel Tab because you're new to here, whatever. But Grounded is the place you can show up and find spiritual friendships. Um, the Grounded uh, experience will last only you know, a few weeks. I think it's 10 weeks total. But by the end of that, you will have connected with people on a spiritual level, and then there'll be more opportunities. Now, that's all I'm going to say about this because we'll get to the rest next week. At the top there, you see our discipleship ecosystem. I'm not going to say anything about that today, but there's some exciting things coming uh, when we think about what it looks like to give you the resources you need to be on mission and following Jesus. But notice that where all of this heads is to the network, is to our global mission effort, is to the greenhouse lab. In other words, we are not building here an organization where the end game is just for you to participate in this organization. That is not our end game. Our end game is to serve you, to give you the opportunities you need to develop so that you can respond to what Jesus is saying to you and follow him in the world. Now, you've heard me say before, church cannot be about me hearing a vision from God as the lead pastor and you volunteering in my vision. Jesus did not die on the cross for you and invest his spirit into you so that your ultimate goal in life is to serve my vision. Instead, we said, let's flip this whole thing upside down and make the tab a place where you can experience healing, you can grow in your faith, you can grow in theology and ministry skill, and we can lay hands on you and serve you 
in the thing that God has called you to do in the world, right? It's totally flipped for us, all right? So I'll get into the rest of this later. Is that clear? Okay. Can you hold with me just for a few more minutes? Because I just want to share something else. I know that's a little technical and, and maybe a little boring, but we did make it colorful. So, <laughs> and those are gospel tab colors too. You know what I mean? The autumn, that's our, that's our theme right there. So anyway, um, I, don't know, I don't know if you care about stuff like that. Um, okay, I want to just share with you really quickly uh, three concepts that have been heavy on our hearts. If you were at our movement meeting, then you heard it. I think this is where God is not just taking the gospel tab, but our whole movement, the Greenhouse Network, the Greenhouse Lab. Um, I think this is where God is taking us in this next season, however long that season is. It's multiplication, regionalization, and generational transfer. I'm going to be preaching on each of these things on the next three weeks. Um, For the sake of time, I won't get into the whole story of how these words got on our radar But over time, our leaders in recent months, I mean, now we're talking six to nine months, began to really process these three concepts. And for us, I want you to know, I'm not standing here today announcing, like, oh, this is what we're going to do now. As a matter of fact, we have done precious little of that here at the tab. So much of what we're experiencing today, uh, we never set out to do. Um, I really think over the years, the tab has been marked as a place where there's a community of people just trying to hear Jesus and do that, all right? Um, So I would say multiplication, regionalization, and generational transfer are already happening. I'm not announcing some new plans. This is what's happening today. It's already live. And we kind of realized it after the fact. So now, here at the tab, we're trying to ask, what does this mean for us? Um, What does this mean for our movement? What does it mean for where God is taking us? Now, I'm going to be talking about this the next three weeks, so I'm not going to say too much, but let's just walk through these really quickly. First of all, multiplication. I think God, over the last few years, before we even had language for it, has been moving us as a church from a growth mindset to a multiplication mindset. I don't know if you know this. You might be completely unaware of this, but let me tell you something as a pastor. The gold standard of success that is constantly put out there for pastors and churches in America is numerical growth. There are whole industries built around this, conferences, books, you know, and it's not all bad, but it's clear what success is. It is growth, it is numerical growth. This is so pervasive that even if you weren't aware of what I just said, even if you had no clue that there's a whole industry out there to help churches grow, um, you, you might be not aware of that at all, but there's something I bet in you that thinks that successful churches are growing churches, that those two things go together. Um, and so it's very interesting. In the United States, 85% of churches are declining or plateauing. Do you know that during the pandemic, 40% of people in America who had been attending church prior to the pandemic, stopped attending. And the experts are telling us that they're not coming back. They're not coming back 40% lower in like a year. Um, We are in the midst of massive cultural shifts in North America, and yet the vast majority of churches that are declining or plateauing are stressing themselves out about how to grow because that's what they think they're missing. Now, I'm not putting any of this down because just... Let's just take a moment to remember where we came from, friends. It wasn't that long ago that we were a plateauing and maybe a declining church. Some of you don't remember that because you're new here, but I know what it's like to be on staff at a place like that. I know what it's like to show up and worship at a place like that. I know what it's like to love a place like that. And so I'm not putting that down. We were there not that long ago. Um, Now, it's crazy. The gospel tab is growing. Every week, there's new people here. And every month, we're getting to know new people. And every year, we add new members. And all of those things, for the last few years, we have been a growing church. And yet, there is something in our hearts that is like, God has called us to more than that. I'm glad for the growth. But I think he's calling us to something more than that. Why? Well, for two reasons. For reasons I will get into next week. I really, really believe 
that growth as a strategy, numerical growth as a strategy to reach our own neighborhoods is quickly not working anymore. Um, and there's all kinds of things happening in our culture that is just making that. Maybe in the 80s, 90s, you could draw big crowds and tell them about Jesus and see lots of people come to faith. In our, in our county, do you know this? Only like 11% of people go to church on a Sunday morning. And, and the vast majority of them um, are, are later on in years. It means that there's a lot of folks in our community who are not waking up on Sunday morning and thinking about church at all. Um, and if we think that's happening, it's because we're not friends with unbelievers. We don't realize how many unbelievers just do not care about what we do here. They're totally unaware of it. And here we are trying to, you know, it, the American church is trying to market itself and draw people in, but it's like we're marketing to people who aren't even looking for that right? You market shoes to people who want to buy shoes, right? You can't market church to people who aren't interested in church, right? But that's more and more like what's happening, all right? We'll talk about that next week. But more than what's happening in the culture, here's what I think is more critical. I think multiplication, not growth, is the biblical model. It is what's envisioned in the book of Acts. It is the kind of church that Jesus left us, and so we're going to be talking some more about that next week. So not just for cultural reasons, but for biblical reasons, I think God has called us to be a multiplying place, a place that doesn't just collect people and resources, but develops people, serves people, sends them out, that isn't boasting about how many people we have on Sunday morning, but is paying more attention to how many people we're serving in the community. I think all of that has to do with multiplication. It means we have to release people. Now, let me just tell you something very practical that this means. Today is a combined service. We're not holding a Franklin Avenue service today, and let me tell you what has happened. So first of all, I want you to know the Franklin Avenue campus, which we launched at the beginning of 2020. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, we launched it in the fall of 2019, but only like six months prior to the pandemic. I want you to know this. We believe it's doing really well. Um, it's alive. It's prayerful. It is the gospel tab's DNA. It's small. Um, but over the years, some of you in this room have served there, prayed for people there. We've seen people saved there, baptized there. We've seen people healed there. All of the things that we would want to see happening in an alive church are happening there, just on a smaller scale. Now, at the beginning of the pandemic, we lost the space that we normally worshiped in, which is the community of celebration. Um, we just weren't able to worship there anymore. For many weeks, that service didn't meet at all. Then we met in Uncommon Grounds for a season. We're very grateful for them for opening their doors to us. And then, to our surprise, St. Titus Roman Catholic Church opened their doors to us and let us worship there for free for a year. Listen, if you, ever, if you are friends with anybody who worships at St. Titus or now part of the combined parish of uh, Cabrini or Fatima, it's all the same church now, you should thank them for the way that they loved us. Um, they served us in the midst of that pandem pandemic, gave us space for free. But they always told us that that space wasn't going to be available to us forever. Well, that space become, it became unavailable to us this last week. So we've been telling the Franklin Avenue campus for a number of weeks we're, we're not going to have this space. Now, the community of celebration down on Franklin Avenue where we first launched the campus, good news is they have opened their doors to us again. And so this is like on the move. Um, so we're grateful for that, but here's what we want you to know. We are not going to relaunch the campus quite yet, and here's why. It's not because anything's wrong. It's because we have recognized that we didn't really multiply. All we did was replicate what we were doing here, and I'll explain what I mean. We held that service at a different time, so it was 10 o'clock here, 11.30 down there. Oftentimes the same worship team, the same preachers, um, often, really the same leaders. Franklin Avenue never had a distinct set of leaders. There were people who were really, except for Devante and Chiara, um, there were people who were loving that place and investing, and, and yet most of the leaders were still connected mostly here. You know, I do need to say, Devante and Chiara have just done an amazing job at the Franklin Avenue campus. Um, <laughs> um, and as the leadership team has wrestled with this, we've been like, you know what? We have lost some things by just trying to replicate and not multiply. Can I give you an example? Before the launching of the Franklin Avenue campus, that 1130 service, it was common for us 
for the Spirit of God to break into this service and for us to kind of move spontaneously in his presence. Um, there were Sundays we would linger in worship. There was Sundays where we would transition to prayer in the middle of the service. I don't know if you've noticed, but less of that happens here at Crestmont now. I don't sense less of God's presence, but less of it happens. Why? It's because most of your leaders are watching that clock and are like, we got to get out of here. We have to get down to the service. Like, service is starting at 1130. We're leading down there. They won't have any leaders if we don't, like, get down there. So we're, like, rushing out the door to get down there. And you've probably noticed there's often not musicians here at the end of the service. Michael and Brooke have facilitated the time at the end of the service really well. But there's, we began to realize we're grieving something here. And it's that when we tried to replicate, we had to kind of stop being ourselves here. And we would get over the hill, and we'd feel like ourselves again you know, because there weren't those constraints. Well, the leadership team said, how about if we're going to grieve, because there's always grief and change. If we're going to grieve, let's grieve towards multiplication. Um, let's grieve towards actually empowering new leaders. Let's grieve towards empowering new people. And so here's what's going to happen. Probably in February, the Franklin Avenue campus is going to relaunch, but with the simultaneous service time. So it's going to be 10 o'clock here and 10 o'clock over the hill at Franklin Avenue. Now, there will be leaders who are shared among both camps. For instance, you will see me preach there and preach here, probably a little less, but you'll see me preach at both places. There are worship leaders who will lead worship at both places, um, but uh, there are leaders that will really steward what God is doing down there, and there are leaders that will really steward what God is doing here. There will be distinct leaders, too. There will be some people who will mostly preach at Franklin Avenue, some people who will mostly preach at the Gospel Tab here at Crestmont. And friends, can I just tell you, I, I, I know, you know you might feel a lot of things as I say this, but I told this to our leadership team, and they agreed. Whatever we are at the Gospel Tab at this point, we are not poor. We have so many leaders, so many capable people, God, do you know our church is doing better financially now than ever in its history? It's like, what is that about? We don't even take offering around here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, it's like, what is that about? So we cannot, we cannot talk like we're poor. And when God has invested his resources in us, it is our responsibility to give it away. That's the only reason why he would invest in us is to give it away. And I said this to the leadership team, I'll say it to you as well, friends. I believe as radically as we give ourselves away in this season, you are going to see God give more and more and more resources. I, I believe it. Be radical in giving away leaders. Be radical in giving away our finances. The more you do it, you're gonna see God just do incredible things. And I think God is calling us to that. So that will launch in February. Here's what we need from you. I'm gonna wrap this up in a couple minutes. I'm going fast. Here's what we need from you. In a few weeks, I'm going to ask if there are 30 adults here who will commit to that campus, who will say on the launch date in February, when that starts, I'm going to make that my primary home and worship there. Um, now, we did that when we first launched it in 2019, but the pandemic just disrupted a lot of that. And a lot of that team hasn't, hasn't been able to be there for one reason or another. So we just need a new team. And so you might already be worshiping there. Well, it's easy for you. Just sign up again, you know. But there might be some new people too. Now, here's what we're going to do. Every eight weeks, we're going to come together and worship. So we're going to hold a combined service every eight weeks. So that means if we launch the new service in February, Easter will be the first time we worship together again. And we'll do that every eight weeks. Sunday nights, we're going to worship together. I, I'm sorry, yes, but we're going to do grounded and we're going to share all that. Youth group is going to be shared. The children's ministry on Sunday night is going to be shared. There's still going to be lots of opportunity to see each other. Um, but on Sunday morning, we're going to worship in these different expressions. And this is all live. Those plans, Jake Furman helped me. We sat down and worked out some of the nitty-gritty of these plans just last week. Because and then talked about the, with it with the leadership team on Thursday night. We knew it was coming, but we just had to work out the details. Um, and so you'll be hearing more about that in coming weeks, okay? I'll close here in five minutes, I promise. <laughs> Regionalization. Regionalization is just happening because multiplication is happening. You have more leaders who are planted in different neighborhoods who are hearing from God. So let me tell you what this has meant for me. Before the pandemic, I would joke and tell people, 
I only fill up my car with gas like every week and a half. Because like I never leave Aliquippa. You know? It was like I, I walk a lot of the places to the, a lot of the places I minister to. I, I never leave here. You should see my gas bill now. All right? Now, so, some of this is like very practical. Some of you may not know this, but a year ago, I became the church planning director for our district, our Western Pennsylvania district of the Christian Missionary Alliance. I'm still the lead pastor here at the TAB, but um, I'm only very part-time here. Steve Rossi is actually our only full-time staff member here at the Gospel TAB, and he really handles a lot of our operational stuff, a lot of our pastoral stuff. The rest of our staff is part-time here at the TAB, Devontae and Kiara, others, um, Jake and Caroline, part-time. Um, and that's been possible, by the way, because most of our ministry isn't done through our programs. We don't have very many programs here at the Gospel Tab. It's done through the network. So we just haven't needed a large staff here, even as the church has, has grown. Um, so a year ago, I, I was only doing ministry in Aliquippa. A few weeks ago, I was in a public housing community on the other side of Pittsburgh with some of our leaders from the network, walking around, listening to residents about the heartache and needs in their own community. Um, and this group of guys who was standing there told us that the kids really need an after-school program. They need some kind of kids programming in that neighborhood. And I don't know what we're going to be able to do about it, but let me tell you, we're sure of position to ask. To ask God if he wants us to be part of that story. To ask God if he wants us, because we know something about that. God has taught us something about after-school programs. So let's, let's just see if God would call us to that. Why not? You know, why not just ask him? That's what my life is looking like more and more. But that's not just me. That's some of you. Some of you all of a sudden are doing ministry further out than you ever have. And I, 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 don't, I don't think this is prophetic. It's just observational. More and more of you, that's going to be the case. Um, and so we're not, there's nothing in us that's like, let's be as big as we can be and figure, figure out how much geography we can cover. There's nothing like that in us. It's just like God is connecting us relationally to all of these different communities, and we want to follow him into those. And then the last is generational transfer. This is the, is the natural outflow of multiplication and regionalization. Um, when I talk about generational transfer, and I'll preach on this in a few weeks, I'm talking about two things. And this is maybe the thing that's heaviest on my heart. I want to talk about two things. There are some of you who are in an older generation because of your age here. All right? We welcome you and honor you. All right? There are some of you who may, might not be considered old in your age, but you're old in our movement. And by that, I mean you've been here for a while. Like, like I've been part of this thing. You know, I'm, I'm 37, but I've been part of this thing for 17 years, right? This was, I was 20 when this got started. There's, there's kids at Aliquippa Impact who are 25, 26 years old right now. I was 20 when Aliquippa Impact got started, you know? I feel really old. Um, and so, so there's some of you who are older in the movement. There's some of you who are older generationally. And here's what I see God doing. God is raising up a new generation of leaders right now. This is happening, not just at the tab. It's happening at Aliquip Impact. It's happening in different places in our network. It's happening right now. And this new generation has two kinds of new leaders. It's people who are newer to our movement. So maybe you're much older than me, but you're new to this thing that God is doing, and you're part of that newer generation. Um, or, like for the first time, I'm 37, I'm working with a lot of leaders in ministry right now that are in a different generation than me, or younger than me. And I do feel different than them. You know, I feel that generational difference. I'm sure they feel it about me. You know how I first noticed this? Can I tell you a funny story? Um, I started Alcove Impact when I was in college, and so these were like our friends from college, and they would invite me to go see movies with them because I was one of their friends. And one year, Devonte was on staff with some of his friends, and they invited me to go see a movie, and I thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll hang out on Friday night, go see a movie. And when I went, I could just feel that they felt like this was cool because they were hanging out with someone older. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not just like one of the guys. Like, um, and, uh, and so there's these younger leaders, you know, that, that are now coming into our movement. Movements die when generational transfer does not happen. Movements die when generations hold on to things in control, right? Um, and and I'll, I'll preach on this in a few weeks, but here's what I'm sensing right now. 
if you are, and you might not fit into a neat category, that's fine. But if, if you are in one of those older generations, you've been with us for a long time, or you're older, I think there's some questions that generation is asking. They're asking, how am I still relevant to this? Do I, there we go, there we go, there's an amen. It's, it's how, do I, how do I give away what I have? How do I invest in the next generation? I think some of you are asking that. And then in that younger generation, I hear another set of questions. So it's all the questions of identity, like who am I? And what has God anointed me to be? And all of that. Um, but I also hear questions like, am I going to have freedom to create too? Am I just, just going to be part of this vision? Or am, or am I going to get to respond you know, to what God, God is calling me to do? And here's my challenge, friends. I'll say more about this in a few weeks. I'm going to wrap up. But here's my challenge. Older generation, younger generation, keep choosing each other. Keep choosing each other. Bless each other. To the older generation, I would say to you, and I'm speaking to myself because I intend to submit to leaders younger than me. Um, if, you, if you are in that older generation anyway, here's what I would say. You have so much to give. You have so much to impart, but do not believe that you have to be in control of things to impart what you have. In the kingdom of God, having control is not necessary to have influence. Jesus had like no control, but he had all this influence. So you do not need to control things to influence, right? And to the younger generation, I would say, keep being submitted to what seems not cool, to what seems frustrating, to what feels slow. Because here's what I would say. God did some sanctifying in our movement by making us be submitted to something that was not super cool. Guys, I remember the first day I was excited to show up at Crestmont for worship, and I had already been on staff a few years. I was this young leader, 20, starting Aliquip Impact, and it was at that time there was so much pain and heartache in our church. Sunday was not something I particularly looked forward to. I'm just being honest. There were people here who loved me, and I loved them, which is why I kept coming. But it was being submitted to that that sanctified me, right? It was being submitted to that formed some things in our movement that we are still building off today. I am forever grateful that Alquiva Impact started by being submitted to a church that was almost turning 100 and wondering if it could come to life again. Um, because the more we were in relationship with that, the holier we became, Right, Because this couldn't be about our pride or how cool we were or, or ah, that's the old thing, but this is the new thing and we perceived it and we're doing it and aren't we cool. God just scrubbed all of that out of our souls by keeping us connected to older generations. And so I need you to keep choosing each other, but we'll talk about that in a few weeks. <laughs>